Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. You know, it's the beginning of a new year, so why not go back to the beginning and make sure we have our bearings, uh, make sure that we have our foundation clear. I want to start here in Genesis 3, and we're going to start with verse 8 and go to 13. <clears throat> Notice these words here. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit from of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You so much for Your Word. Your Word guides us. Your Word challenges, challenges us, and it does so even today, even this very hour. May that be so. By the power of Your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for many, at the beginning of a new year, it's a time of reflection. Maybe it's nostalgic even to you because you've done this so many times. You're a professional now at, uh, at maybe making resolutions and breaking resolutions. You know, it's statistically speaking, most people won't even make it into February with their new resolutions. Uh, one of the problems that have been identified with resolutions is that you make too many. So in other words, you got too much to change and you go gung-ho and you go not only too many, but you also go too lofty. You know, you, you, make, a, you make a hundred and then you also uh, make them very high and almost unattainable. You know, kind of like here, you promise not to be disobedient all year long. Oh yeah, you know, well, probably not going to happen, you know, probably not even going to make it the next hour, um, but it's a lofty idea. And so many of the resolutions are out of reach or are just too many. And so, you know, I don't know what you do at the beginning of the new year. You may not even care at all. It may just be another day to you, but I don't think it should be. I think it should be a time at the beginning of the year where we sit down and we take inventory. We sit down and think about what all God has done. You know, Israel in the Old Testament, were, they were told to do this at these feasts. They were told to remember. So there are certain things that we want to remember, but there are also things that we want to not remember. And so there are things in 2014 that we want to remember and thank God for. But there are other things that we want to not look back upon. Remember Lot's wife? She looked back at Sodom and turned into a pillar of salt. And Jesus reminds the people in the New Testament, He says, you remember Lot's wife? Don't look back. So there's both this interesting tension between what we remember and what we don't look back upon. And this is what we experience here at the beginning of a year. Uh, this is 2015, it's a new year, so what I want to offer this morning, and I believe it's founded here in Genesis chapter 3, and that is one resolution 
boiling it down to one, that you ought to be, you ought to really make your primary resolution, and that is to be with God. To fellowship with God. Now, Genesis begins, as you know, with creation. And when God creates us, He makes us for Himself. We often say that we were uh, made for God, but really, God made us for Himself. It's not just a byproduct, it's something that He purposefully did. He wanted us. He wanted every single one of you. That alone ought to strike us as shocking. Yes, He knew everything, and yet He continued to create and continues to allow people to be born and made. And so, He loves His creation. He doesn't create out of necessity. No one is twisting His arm. He's not bored Instead, it's an overflow of His life and love. He enjoys fellowship. He Himself is a holy fellowship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe Tolkien picks up on this in Fellowship of the Ring in the Lord of the Rings series. There's something about those movies that are very popular. It's not just the graphics, but it's the story. There's a story within uh, Tolkien's work that tells of a deep fellowship, friendship, sacrifice among different people groups. And we hang on to that. We feel like that's something important. Um... You know, this morning I was reading a story about a uh, ESPN news anchor, Stuart Scott, who passed away this morning. And I got to thinking, uh, as I do when I hear of death and when it visits even our own family, um, at the end of your life, you don't wish you would have spent more time on your mobile phone. You don't wish you would have spent more time, uh, you know, on the computer or watching television shows. What people want at the end of their life are not LCD screens. They want faces. Amen. That's what they want to see. So why wait to the end of your life? You see, there are no mobile screens in any of the Lord of the Rings stories, and yet we long for a day when we could go back to a time like that. We long for a time where we could sit down and enjoy one another's company. I crafted a new word for 2015 around our house, and I told Jessica about this, and she likes it, so I'll use it. Um, it's called the empty yeah. Let me show you what it looks like. You're talking to me, and I say, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, sure. You ever seen that before? It's the empty yeah, you say yeah, you say you acknowledge, and yet you're not there. You ever seen somebody on a on a device like that or watching television? I mean, come to our house and watch Baylor watch TV. I mean, he's in the Baylor, Baylor, 
Baylor, Baylor, Baylor. It's not like a broken record. I even get annoyed with saying it, and he still doesn't recognize it. He's still glued. We get focused on things that don't need our full attention. And the things that and the people that need our full attention are not being looked at. It's an empty yeah. Don't allow the machines to take over. You know, I've noticed in a lot of sci-fi and movies, and one of my favorite movies, The Matrix, you know, uh, it's all the storyline that the machines take over. We invent machines and AI, artificial intelligence, and then all of a sudden they turn on us. I don't, you know, thinking the other day in preparing this, I don't think they have to turn on us. We have started to worship them. Worship at base is what you give yourself to. What you give your time to. What you sacrifice for. And many of us, maybe unbeknownst or unwillingly or maybe just out of ignorance, I hope, have started worshiping our devices and our things over people and spending time with those who we should be spending time with, which is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And instead, we are on our machines. And the machines have taken over without any kind of AI themselves. In other words, as Paul said long ago, we have started worshiping the creature rather than the Creator. And this must be reversed. It can be reversed. And so one thing you know, we, I've personally tried to do is when I'm on my phone, if somebody starts talking to me, I put it down. If I'm at lunch, I don't even recognize it. Um, you know, there used to be a time when we didn't have to respond immediately. That time was 30 years ago. <laughs> um, and we've so easily forgotten and we've become entrapped to our own devices and machines. The creation itself. Paul says the only thing we should be a slave to is Jesus Christ. Amen. He is a good master that pays good dividends. These masters of our life do not. They are empty and void. Trust me, when you get to the end of your life, this is not what you're going to ask for. You're going to want faces in the room. Faces that you know and love and have looked upon for many years. Faces you can trust. In the Old Testament, there's a really neat thing that happens that you don't pick up on with the English translation. And that is the word for presence in the Old Testament, when the, when the Bible speaks of God's presence, in the Hebrew, it's literally face. So when His presence went before them, it means His face went before them. When, God, when, when Moses asked to see God's presence, he's asked to see God's face, which is why he was denied. And yet, we celebrate during Christmas the fact that God put on a human face for us for all eternity. And that face we must seek this year. Not the face of our screams. 
Now, I'm using this because everybody's got one of these in their pockets. It's ubiquitous around the world now. Uh, Even when I was in India, you see shacks and huts, and they have phones. It's an amazing thing around the world, what we've done. And I can't help but think that if we were to seriously evaluate ourselves this past year, if we were able to calculate the screen time that we've had, it would probably shock and embarrass most of us in this room, including myself. What about FaceTime? I don't mean the app. See how confusing we've made everything? I mean true person-to-person interaction. It's funny that we now, you know, in our commercials, a 30 sec- if you're over 30 seconds, people lose focus. Our attention spans have, have dwindled. And so it's really tough for us. When the power go out, goes out, people don't know what to do. They get on their phone, though. What about when the phone shut down? Like April 27th when mine didn't work. And you just have each other. And we don't know what to do. Now we can say, oh, back in the old days they knew what... To, you know, but the old days had their own problems. I'm addressing problems today. Let's not look back to an old day. Let's look to a new day. When we can work with these devices for good and yet not allow them to control us. You see, Eve desired the fruit. She wanted it. And we desire these things in our life, and we want it. To the detriment and the destruction of relationships. Those are what matters. Relationships, that's what He's created us for. In the very beginning, this is what the design was. We're meant to run off of relationships. And we've got so many pseudo-relationships that are offered to us through Facebook and FaceTime and all the, you know, whatever it might be, Snapchat, Twitter. We've bombarded ourselves with all kinds of what's called social media that are really killing us socially. Amen. And this is not some commentary on modern culture as much as it is a critique of what I know to be true in most of our lives. So I'm not saying this is some expert on culture as much as I am a pastor who loves you and knows that we all struggle here. And so this, this year should be a year where we seek presence. God's face. Even the face of others. You say, where's that connection, Jesus? He says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. How many people do we bypass when we're at the store? You don't have to stop and talk to everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But if you go through a week using products and buying stuff and purchasing, and and, people are serving you and you never really see them, don't you think that's a problem? Isn't that, isn't that an issue, a relational issue? We're to be loving those around us. Now, that's going to work out different. There's no one way to do that. It could just be a simple word of encouragement to, to a clerk who's checking you out at the register. Just to say, hey, do you know that God loves you? If you're bold enough to say that, or hey, how has your week been? 
Well, I'll pray for that. Just something simple. Nothing oppressive or aggressive, but just loving somebody else like you would want to be loved. We were made for God and other people. And when we don't run off of those things, we're not happy. We're not joyful. And we're not fulfilling our purpose in life. You see, the problem has always been that we try to be God. We don't just try to be... The commission is to be like God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But we try to be God. And these tools and toys and devices that we've created make us think that we are in control and that we don't need God and His answers. Wikipedia has it. We don't need help from somebody else. My phone knows what to do. And so we've become a people that are self-important. I mean, we even call it selfies. That's actually a term now. That's not just something that goes around. That's actually a word. Selfie. We have become obsessed with ourselves, which is the true definition of sin. Now the good news is we are coming upon a time very soon, because Easter is early this year, where we cut off the devices. Where we limit ourselves. It's called Lent, which means springtime. And it's a type of spring cleaning. But I'm saying up front, there's got to be a different purpose behind the cleaning. And that is, we want to know God. We want to be with God. God. We want to love God, the one who has given himself to us. That's the reason we get rid of these things. It's not just, oh, we got to do it like some disgruntled kid who can't play with his toys. But instead, it's because we are replacing it with so much more. We don't overcome evil by just getting rid of it, but with good. Who is good? Jesus says, only God is good to the rich young ruler who had much and who did not follow Jesus because of what all he had. There will be nothing in our life that we can't do without except for for Him. It's fascinating here that in Genesis um, we fail God and then He comes looking for us. You know, it seems to be in the academic world that the question always is, where is God? Prove God's existence. Where is He? Show Him to me. The real question here is the one posed by God Himself, and that is, where are you? He's more apparent than any of us. He's more real than any of us because He is the source And so we ask wrongly, where is God? The question is, where are we? Are we in the prison of our own mind? The darkness of our own cell? Because we're never going to see the light of Jesus Christ if we are not freed by faith. I heard an illustration recently that was, was helpful. If you're in a burning building and you hear a voice call out below, hey, we're the fire department, 
jump, we've got you. Uh, you know, you don't say, what a bunch of nincompoots. Who jumps out of a building? I'm surely not going to jump out of a building. No, in desperate times, you do what's needed. Most of us don't find ourselves in desperate times. And so we don't need to jump with faith. We feel like we don't need faith. We're not giving enough to live off of faith. We're not using our time enough to live off of faith. We're not in any circumstances that would challenge us in our faith. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us to stay. Nice and comfy in our recliner, laid back, thinking we're cruising with Jesus. But He calls us to a cross, doesn't He? There will always be sacrifice. What makes those movies great, those stories great, Lord of the Rings? It's the sacrifice they make for one another. The care that they have for one another. That relationships actually matter. How many of those do you actually have that matter? That you would, that you would stop doing what you're doing to go give yourself to other people. You see, in Genesis later, they're going to build a tower to try to get to God. That's not the way to God. We, as an individualistic society, have built our own towers. Stop building your tower. There's no happiness at the top of that tower. The further you build your tower, the further you build your kingdom up, the further you will lose reality. The further you away you'll be from joy and true happiness. No, the way to be happy is holy, and the way to be holy is to give yourself in service to God, to pick up your own cross and follow Him on mission. It's a new year, haven't you heard? It's time for us to take up our cross this year. Now is the time. Not next year. Not when things get better. Now. No better time than now to start seeing people's faces. To seek the face of God. His presence in your life. You say, I've never done that before. Now is the time to start. Get in a room, shut the door, and spend time with God. That's how quick and accessible He is. He's closer than your mobile phone. You know, one thing that has helped me over the years, and I often don't give personal, personal stories, but, but, but I feel compelled to do it, is put on some praise music in the background. Just get your computer, Spotify, or whatever it is you use. Grab some praise music. Let it play. Think about God. And then start talking to Him. Fifteen minutes! And you'll be in the very presence of the One who created you. Things will become clear in those rooms, in those moments. People will matter in those moments. The more we seek devices and LCD screens and things of this world, money and prestige, whatever it may be, the further away from reality and clarity will be. But when we get in a room with Jesus, things change. Because He changes us. Where are you 
This is the question posed. Where are you? And I'm asking you as your pastor up front, 2015, first Sunday of the year, we've got 51 more to go. Where are you? Only you know. Maybe you fooled everybody around you. Way to go. What about reality? What about those who need you? I'm going to pull the kid card. What about those children right over here? You say, well, I don't have children at home. Well, you've got the children here. You don't understand, or maybe you do, the impact that you have as participants of worship every Sunday that you're here that they see you here. And trust me, they are watching. They are watching. I watched. If you grew up in church, you watched. And you remember faces, don't you, of those who stood tall at church. Those who served behind the scenes that nobody really ever paid attention to, but you saw it. Made an impact on me for life. And now... Jessica and I talk about this. We see some of you picking up those same mantles that great people before you had on them. Great burdens that now you carry that somebody else carried before you. And these little guys and girls in here, they will one day carry those same burdens, those same ministries, those same, that same mission. If we are faithful to pass it down. God is looking for you. The reality is most of us are not looking for Him. We're hiding. We're hiding at our work. We're hiding in our devices. We're hiding in our luxury. We're hiding in our comfort. We're hiding in our problems. We're hiding in the past. And God calls us out. Where are you? And they respond, don't they? Hey, we're over here, but we, we're naked. He says, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat? Simple obedience. You know, I challenged the kids this morning. You heard it. I challenged the kids for simple obedience. And you're probably saying, yes, I'm glad you did that because, man, we really, we really struggle sometimes to, to get our kids to obey. And trust me, it is a struggle. <coughs> Let me turn the tables real quick. We now are the kids now that they're gone. And our Father tells us this year to obey Him. That is our job as children of God is to be obedient. You say, I don't know what to obey. That's because you're not in His Word. You're not in prayer. You won't know what He wants if you do not spend time with Him. You're ignoring Him, putting your, your, your fingers in your ears to shut Him out. Don't! You know, as a kid, I got in trouble sometimes at church. Casey was around in those days. He knows. Um, I would goof around, you know, whatever. Um, preacher's kid, growing up in church, I was there all the time, and so sometimes I got bored. Um, and I know that some of you get bored sometimes as well, but thankfully you don't act up. When I acted up, uh, I would oftentimes realize that somebody told my dad. I just knew they did. And I would make myself unseen. You understand? I would come in very, very late, 
you know, after the, I mean, we lived, you and, like, the parking lot was our front door uh, to the church. We lived in a parsonage. And, and I remember one time in particular, I had gotten in trouble, and the teacher said, I'm going to tell your dad. And I was like, oh, that's not good. So I stayed out playing as long as I possibly could. It was pitch dark, and I came in and quickly ran up the stairs. I got halfway up the stairs, Marshall! It's that booming voice of my father, and I thought I'd slip past him, out of sight, out of mind, but instead, he knew. He said, come downstairs. And of course, I was disciplined. I hope that you hear Jesus' voice calling your name. Because He is. He's saying your name. He knows your name and He's calling you to come downstairs. Stop living in your own room. Stop building your own stuff. He's offering us today His grace. You know, they hid from God, but they also started blaming one another. Let's not blame there's a, I'm sure there's a host of reasons why you did what you did in 2014. But don't blame. Don't do the blame game. Take responsibility. You know, my kids are expert blamers. Uh, I come in the room and I say, who busted the air mattress? Not me. That's everybody's response. Not me, not me, not me, not me. He doesn't know how to say it yet, but he'll learn. So I get three... Thanks for the amen. Not me! (laughs) So I get three not me's and a busted air mattress. Somebody did it. So from now on, I've been saying, hey, whoever says not me is getting disciplined right away. Because somebody did this thing. And this is us though, isn't it? We say, not me! Not me! No, no, he's not talking about me. That's not me. I, I, I do spend time with God. I, I'm good right now. I'm good. But to say that you're good is already to say that there's a problem. Amen. That's like me telling Jessica, no, no, no. We're good. I don't need to talk. No, we must. We have to. This is what we were created for. So let's be honest. Take responsibility and seek God's face. You know, what we need to realize is that there's a problem with the uh, operating system. This week I read an article, a uh, tech article, about mobile phones and about their operating systems and trying to integrate. You know, it was a pretty cool article. I didn't understand half of it. But um, I wrote down the notes from this article because I felt like it was a sermon. I wrote them down last week. I just didn't get to it. But I'll offer them to you very briefly, real quick. He said, if you're going to have a great operating system, you have to have interception. Oh. It's a cool football term, right? But interception is preventing things. You know, in other words, preventing so much information that you get three different pop-ups from three different apps. That's what it was saying. Instead, you just get one notification that conglomerates the three apps and so intercepts the other ones. Well, we need interception in our life, don't we, this year? I know I do. I need somebody looking out for me to say, Hey, hey, whoa, something's coming in your life, dude, that is not going to be good for you. I'm going to intercept that. Boom. Uh, this is called preventing grace or prevenient grace. This kind of grace God extends to us is intercepting grace. He has kept so many bad things from happening to you that it would be too many to count. Praise be to God for that. And we ought to thank Him for that. 
But we need other people too in our life who are able to intercept some things that don't need to go in. We need some things that we set up in our life to block certain things from coming into our life. And so, intercepting is also gaining possession of, which we need the Holy Spirit to do in us, isn't? don't we? We need Him to gain possession of some of the things in our life. It's a redirection. You've seen an interception on TV, right? If you're going to watch football today, you're probably going to see an interception. Boom, redirection. Everybody's running the opposite way. This is what we need to seek in 2015 in some of the areas of our life is redirect. We need to be going the other way. Not the, way, not the road we're going down. Some of you may be toying with something that is extremely dangerous for you and your family. Don't go down that road. The second point of the article was personalization. He was saying the app need, your operations need to be personalized to how you use it. And I thought to myself, we need personalization. Actually, there's a definition in Webster's Dictionary. Here's what personalization means, since it's a kind of a big word. And I like words and I look them up all the time, even if I think I know the meaning. This one says this, to mark something in a way that shows it belongs to a particular person. So if you particularize something, you mark it to show that it belongs to a particular person. Boom, I thought about baptism. Baptism marks us for a particular person who is Jesus Christ. We are Christian. You are Christian. You are Christ's. Not your own. Not your work. Not your devices. Not your money. Not your things or possessions. But you are Christ's. And some of us need to start acting like it. I often tell my kids, you're a good boy, now be a good boy. Because you're not acting like one. And God calls us to that same kind of thing. He says, you are mine, now start acting like it. The last thing here was prioritization engine. It's a big one. For a good operating system. Prioritization engine. And I thought, what better prioritization engine do we have than the Holy Spirit? Who should be the fire that fuels all of our lives. He is the very breath of God, which can also mean life. In the beginning, in the creation story, God breathes in us His breath. Literally, He spirits in us His Spirit. His life. Do you have the Spirit living in you? Have you been led by the Spirit before? Are you being led by God's Spirit? That's what He's calling us to. You say, that's a little weird for me. I I normally try to make plans on my own. Well, you shouldn't. Those plans will come to naught. But His will is eternal. His will is right for you. So Jesus has a future and a hope for us this year. Right here at the uh, first of the year, right up front, we were made for Him and He made us for Himself. That should be number one priority, number one resolution. It should last through February and go all the way to the next year and beyond. Don't ignore, don't lose sight, don't hide, and don't play the name, blame game. Instead, seek His face 
this year. You will find Him. And you'll find so much more when you are in His presence. Don't hide. Believe. Trust. Obey. Amen.